Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I talk to my fifth anniversary guest, Ben Morris. Now let's get started. I am interviewing a very special guest. He is my fifth anniversary guest. You know, everyone welcome. Please welcome Mr. Ben Morris. So Ben, welcome to the show. You know, um, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jason. And I want to say I really appreciate you having me, not just uh, as the fifth anniversary guest, but in general. Uh, you're just, you're, you're such a beacon of great encouragement for so many people in comics. I know that you are beloved on Twitter specifically, um, and you've been very good to me over the years supporting my various projects. So coming on this show is a real, uh, it's a real treat for me. No, but, you know, Ben, just, Ben, thank you very much. You know, um, in a little bit, I'll let listeners know how I sort of kind of know you over the sure. years. Okay. So I just want to go over basically. So, you know, Ben was a, a Wizard Magazine writer. Yep. He was the former editor, editorial director of digital media at Marvel. So, right. And then um, right now you are a um, lecturer at UNLV, correct? That is correct. I'm a, I'm a visiting lecturer. Okay. And then also, too, I have to make a note on this because yesterday the UH football team was beaten by the um, UNLV. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's not my fault. No, no, it's not your fault. <laughs> okay. Also, too, and also you are a freelance writer for Marvel.com and Newsarama. Is that correct? Yeah, I've kept uh, I've kept in touch with my friends at Marvel. I mean, I worked there for 10 years. I'm sure we'll get into it. Yep. But I've kept writing for them. And then... Um, Newsarama, it's funny because it's actually Chris Arendt, who is kind of the lead editor over there, was a writer for me when I was at Marvel. So when he um, found out I was kind of available and doing stuff, because since I left Marvel, I've um, I've freelanced for Marvel.com. I did some work for DC, even for a minute when they had the uh, DC Nation magazine. I wrote for them. And then um, Newsarama is literally a site that I've been going to since I was in high school. Yeah. So when Chris reached out and he said, do you want to do some stuff for Newsarama? I said, yeah, man, that's, you know, it, even this far along in my career, I'm still having kind of like little dreams come true. Mm-hmm. So like, it might not seem like a lot, but just having that Newsarama byline was, was kind of cool for me. So yeah, I'm working for them as well. I'm doing less frequent work for Newsarama, more long form content. My Marvel stuff is a little bit more regular. I try to get something up every couple of weeks or so. They're primarily interviews with, uh, with writers and artists and editors. That's so awesome. That is pretty cool. Um, I'm going to ask, did I miss anything? I don't think so. That's a, that's a pretty comprehensive. Yeah. I mean, wizard was my first job out of college. Wizard transitioned to Marvel, Marvel transitioned to UNLV, and then just all the freelance I've picked up along the way. That I that's pretty awesome, and we probably I probably start talking a little bit more, and it just it's kind of sort of nice tie in that you're still kind of like how do, I don't know how to put it correctly like you're still in the comic book industry. Yeah, for like, sure. I would say like, look, I was I was entrenched in the comic book industry for about 13 years, and yes. this is like most of my 20s, a lot of my 30s, and even though I'm not doing it anymore, I'll I'll, I'll say this when I when I initially left Marvel to come out here to work for UNLV, mm-hmm. I needed a little bit of a break yes. um, just because I had been going comics, comics, comics mm-hmm. full on for over a decade. Yes. So I actually, like when I first moved here, I didn't look for a comic store. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't read anything. I just like 
kind of absorbed myself in like my new life here. And then about six months in, I was like, you know what? I miss comics. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I love them. They're such a big part of my life. So I went to a great store out here called Alternate Reality Comics. Became very close with the uh, the owners and the people who work there. Uh, started picking up books again. And once I was ready, reached out to my my friends at Marvel and just said, "Hey guys, I wanna I wanna continue to be involved." Mm-hmm. Um, so little ways I can find to continue to be involved in comics because comics is, you know, it's one of the great loves of my life. Um, It's, it's something that's been important to me since I was a little kid and has shaped so much of my, my adult life that I don't ever want to fully leave it behind. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm sorry. So I'm going to get, we're going to get slowly get into that shortly. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm just going to, so to listeners, you know, um, now basically this is the first time I'm meeting Ben, right. You know, um, uh, you know, um, I I I remember he was he did a guest hosting spot on the Weekly Washer on Marvel.com, and that was back around 2009, I think. I think yeah, it was, it was ages ago, but yeah. I, I definitely I definitely remember it. Yes. Now, for listeners, you know, um, you can you know Google it or search it on YouTube. There is like back episodes. Um, yeah. Back then, it was like. The, you know, it was like um, the official um, Marvel, I guess, video thing. It was a three-minute YouTube show that talked about everything that came out from Marvel. Yeah, they had been doing the Weekly Watcher shortly before I started there. So I started at Marvel in late 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, they had already been, and, and Ryan Panagos was my kind of like way in. Yes. Uh, Ryan is H&M, and he had worked at Wizard with me previously. Yes. And then he left. And I stuck around for another year at Wizard. And then after a year, he said, hey, why don't you come over here and work with me? Mm -hmm. And Ryan had been, I think, responsible for spearheading the Weekly Watcher, which was this idea of just having, you know, it's it's, it's 2007, 2008. Like, why don't we just have, you know, we're we're starting to be able to utilize YouTube uh, in ways that the company hadn't done before then. So Mm -hmm. the idea of just having like kind of like this was our, you know, this is our sports center. This is our... Uh, Good morning, America. It's only a few minutes long, but it's a chance to do just like put a human face in front of Marvel and be like, look, there are there are people, there are actual people working here, and you know, here's the news and here's what we're excited about. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was um, hosted by Alexa Mendez. Yes, um, she was the regular host. She was awesome, and um, when she occasionally had to take time off mm-hmm. i would step in much to the delight of the youtube audience who were used to alexa <laughs> who were not were not very kind to me always but uh it was it was a good time um to our to our listeners you know um ben i'm not i'm not trying to put you down or anything but that was one of the other reasons why i watched the weekly watch with alexa mendez she's yes. very beautiful but yep. but ben i hung around i still I, when you were covering i still Thank watched you. it you know, appreciate <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So, and then, then Ben, um, then Ben co-hosts um, This Week in Marvel, the official Mar- Marvel podcast. And like, as he mentioned, with his good friend and co-host, Ryan Panagos, Agent M. And then, correct me if I'm, um, I think, wait, I, am I going to go into that a little bit? I'm not sure. Sorry. Okay. I'm going to continue on. And then, and then. Uh, and then, of course, then you became a um, then you um, became a guest lecturer at UNLV. Yeah. And then you also co-hosted the other identity. I did. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then can you go over how did that come about? 
So I was in one, one of my roles at UNLV is I run Rebel Media Group, which mm-hmm. is a student staffed digital media agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically what I do is, I mean, I'll, I'll explain short form is that, you know, like when I was in college, I worked at the newspaper because I knew I wanted to be a journalist and okay. that's a good way to get, you know, just repetitions in. Yes. Um, and what my boss, the director of the journalism school, Kevin Stoker, realized around the time he was hiring me mm-hmm. was we have a radio station for our students who want to go into radio. We have a TV station for our students who want to go into TV. Yes. He wanted to provide something for students who wanted to maybe work primarily in social media. Yes. So that's kind of what we do with Rebel Media Group. Now, one of our clients for Rebel Media Group is we formed a really great partnership with Beasley Media, uh, mm-hmm. who is you know a huge company. And the reason we partnered up with them was they had acquired a show and a brand called Checkpoint. They're based in Detroit. Uh, it was a few guys, and basically they were doing shows about esports, about mm-hmm. games. And Beasley wanted to do a show about college esports yeah so they came to us and said you know will you provide kind of like the student muscle for this and we'll have a professional and so that was like kind of my my way into Beasley and Checkpoint and then a couple months in mm-hmm. uh Robbie Landis yes my co-host on the other identity they already had the other identity was already a thing it was already like it was basically their comic book podcast it's like mm-hmm. they had a bunch of video game podcasts and one comic book podcast mm-hmm. and he asked me if i wanted to step in as a new co-host and i was like yeah I, again going back to what i was telling you i was ready by then to kind of like scratch that itch again yes. like i was cool talking about comics again so yeah, yeah we did that for about uh, a year yes. or so mm-hmm. and then unfortunately the show um the show came to an end mm-hmm. um who knows if it'll resurface at some point in the future in a different form, but that was a blast. I mean, Robbie was completely different as far as a co-host than Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely gave me a new experience, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And you know, I'm very grateful to Robbie and the folks at Checkpoint for that opportunity. And then for listeners, um, I still think, I think um, you can still download some, um, some past episodes on like wherever Spotify, Apple yeah, Podcasts. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's available. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, you know, um, when I found out that you're co-hosting that show, um, for me, what I loved about it, it was, it was a great show, you know? Um, and I, and to me, especially for new comic book readers, because, you know, that was the idea. Yeah. It was great. The the idea was we kind of, the thing I liked about partnering up with Robbie is Robbie is a passionate fan, but Mm -hmm. he's only been reading comics probably for about, 10 years, which is not nothing, but like he hasn't been reading them for like, you know, I've been reading comics for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like that, that combination of, I had all this knowledge. I had all these answers. Mm -hmm. Robbie had a million questions, which was great. That dynamic worked out really well. And I think that for someone who was coming in, who, you know, maybe was more familiar from the movies or the TV shows, Robbie was you. He was mm-hmm. representing you. He was asking the questions that you'd be asking, mm-hmm. and then I would supply the answers. So it was a really, it was a, it was a good dynamic. It it really was, and um, you guys, you you guys would just focus on like uh, like one super one episode. The next episode, you guys would talk about um, a crossover series. Like I'm just pointing out, like or picking out something. Flashpoint, and yeah. that was great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of different, like, cool topics. Um, we had a lot of great guests as well. I know we we spoke to 
uh, Kelly Thompson. We spoke to Phil Jimenez. Mm-hmm. We spoke to Matthew Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, those are people who I had become close with when I was at Marvel that I was able to kind of like end at Wizard. And mm-hmm. I was able to kind of pull in. But other than that, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, in a dream world, I would like to work with Robbie again on mm-hmm. something someday. So never say never. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then finally, you know, Ben, I want to thank you very much. Um, when I started on, out on Twitter last year, you were like one of the early people that followed me on Twitter. So Ben, oh. you know, just thank you very much. Yeah, man. My pleasure. You're like I said, you're, you're such a, you're such a beacon of positivity that it's, it's been a follow that I've certainly never regretted. Oh, but thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. So um, I'm going to ask where can listeners follow you on social media? All right. So you can follow me on Twitter at mm-hmm. Ben J Morse, B-E-N-J-M-O-R-S-E. Mm-hmm. Um, on Instagram, I have an account that is solely for talking about comics. Mm-hmm. It's called at Ben Likes Comics. At ben Likes. Um, okay. Those are kind of my two like public facing uh, social media. I have other social media accounts that, you know, are, are more private, like for me and my family and friends, yeah. but no. Instagram or Twitter, you can find me. Um, I've, I've, I'm, I'm, so I teach a digital media class yes. um, at UNLV and I've gotten to know a lot of different platforms through that. So I, maybe I'll be trying some other stuff in the near future. Um, I don't want to promise, but I'm, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about, you know, ways that I can go out and, you know, express kind of my love for comics or my love for wrestling or anything like that. Right now I'm doing the Twitter and the Instagram thing, but uh, maybe more in the future. Okay. All right. Okay. So where are you from? I am from, uh, I say I'm from Boston Uh because I'm from the suburbs of Boston. But Uh usually when you're talking to someone not from Boston, you just say I'm from Boston (laughs) because saying like I was born in Watertown and I grew up in Newton. Like that doesn't mean anything to most people, but it was funny actually, because I was having a meeting a couple uh, weeks ago with a, a guy from Beasley actually. And um, he asked me where I was from. And I said, I'm from Boston. He goes, no, no. He goes, I'm from, and he named the suburb he was from. So he's like, where are you really from? So yeah, I was, I, I spent my early childhood in a town called Watertown. Uh-huh. And then um, I spent a lot of time in Newton, which is a suburb of Boston, mm-hmm. um, but basically the Boston area. Okay. All right. And then, um, Let's see. Um, now, I know you talked about this in past interviews that I did research. I'm going to ask, um, who is your favorite superhero? And I think you have more than one. I just realized that. So, so my like, my, my, my true, go- I have two answers. Mm-hmm. Um, my go-to early on was always The Flash. Yes. Um, and I fell in love with The Flash as a like very young kid before mm-hmm. I was even reading comics. This is just like, I saw him on Super Friends and, you know, saw him on like lunch boxes and stuff. And I, more than anything else, there are two things. One, I thought the costume was awesome. Yes. Like I think the Flash just has one of the best costumes of ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, I just really like super speed as yeah. a power. I think it's a cool power. So I was really into the Flash when I was a kid. Um, uh-huh. I, when I was about five or so, my mom mm-hmm. was an artist. Yeah. She helped me make a homemade flash costume um, consisted of red pajamas, mm-hmm. red swim cap, mm-hmm. made a little mask out of paper mm-hmm. and then took pipe cleaners and did uh, the yellow parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll always have a soft spot for the flash. And then once I was like 
old enough to kind of distinguish the characters. Yes. I developed a specific love for Wally West as uh-huh. the Flash. I was always just like really, I mean, number one, he was the Flash when I was growing up. Yeah. Um, but two, it was, it was, I really bought into the whole, um, the idea that he's trying to live up to another person's legacy. Mm-hmm. That idea that Wally kind of embodies it. Like, you know, like Barry Allen was the Flash. He gave his life to save the galaxy, the universe, the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And then Wally is, you know, just kind of struggling to live up to those expectations. I thought yeah. that was incredibly relatable. So <clears throat> Wally West is always going to be one of my favorites. Uh, the other one that you probably, I'm sure you've heard about if you would see me do anything. Um, I love Nova, mm-hmm. Rich Rider. Yeah. Um, my favorite comic when I was a kid was New Warriors, mm-hmm. the 90s volume, mm-hmm. the initial one. And Nova was the coolest character mm-hmm. in New Warriors. He looks awesome. And the thing I really liked about Rich Rider, and I, I, I tell this, I used to tell this to people at Marvel all the time. Um, when I was a kid, I couldn't relate to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? He's like the ultimate relatable superhero. And yeah. I said, no, I go, Spider-Man started out as this incredibly smart, like science geek. Yeah. Who I can't relate to that. Like I was an okay student, but I wasn't a genius. And Mm -hmm. to me, that always made Spider-Man kind of hard to connect with. Mm -hmm. With Rich, he wasn't an idiot, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't a genius either. He seemed like just a normal guy. And that, I guess that's probably a little bit of like the Wally West too, but Mm -hmm. like characters like that are the ones I dug, the ones who were just normal people trying to kind of make their way in the world. So I really latched onto Rich Rider. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of went into limbo for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Then when Annihilation brought him back, yeah. I was at Wizard and I was so excited that Nova was actually going to get like some spotlight. And then I think just like since, since then, it's just been off to the races with this, this character. Every, I, I think that a lot of people have realized his appeal mm-hmm. uh, through the Annihilation stuff, through the stuff Abnett and Landing did, and then on into the present day, I, I think he's just become a much more popular character, which which makes me very happy. One, I'm just one key thing. I just think I, mean, I know you said that Wally West is your Flash. Um, you talked about Rich Rider. The key thing I just thought of was they they were both drawn by Carmine Infantino. This is true. Yeah. This is true, and um, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. as a kid because yeah. by the time I got to them, like Wally was basically being drawn by like uh, Mike Waringo and Salvador La Roca yes. and Humberto Ramos. And um, my Nova artists were Mark Bagley and Derek Robertson, the guys who were drawing new warriors, but you're right. Um, those early, the, you know, the seminal like 1970s, 1980s flash and Nova comics, a lot were drawn by Carmine Infantino. Yeah. No, like I said, sorry. I just kind of, it's no, like, it's, a, it's a cool observation. That's <laughs> what they have in common. Okay. And then um, I noticed that you watched, you know, you, know, you saw The Flash on like Super Friends and so forth. Did you ever watch the 1990s Flash? I've never watched it. Uh, oh, no. And I don't, I don't know why. It's a weird little blind spot for me. I, I, I think that by the time the 90s Flash, so I kind of like, I loved The Flash when I was a little kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then... By the time the 90s Flash series came on, I had kind of gone all in on Marvel. So I was more like a Marvel guy at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would slip back into DC and take on both of them later. Mm -hmm. But the timing of the Flash TV series just didn't, it didn't line up with my interest in the character. Like Mm -hmm. I was, 
I was there, there have been periods when obviously I've watched the CW show, um, but I didn't watch the, the initial nineties one. And I think I might be for the best because I think I would have been confused as to like, why is Barry the flash? Who are these supporting characters? And like, I just, it was, I don't think from what I've heard, Mm -hmm. um, the flash TV series didn't really align with the things I loved about Mm -hmm. the flash. So I don't know that I necessarily would have, uh, dug it per se no you're that's right now i think about it because in when they did crisis on infinite earths barry allen died that and then when the flash tv show came out what, five six years later mm-hmm. they used barry allen instead of Wally yeah. west which i Even think though wally was the flash in the comics yeah 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 okay oh um so i wanted to ask have you ever met like like um grant gustin the from the CW Flash. So, oh, hold on, my dog. No, don't worry. Um, so, no, don't worry. I'm going to ask one question. So, what's your dog's name? My dog's name is Gypsy. Ah, she's what kind of dog? She, mm-hmm. uh, she's a little Shih Tzu mix. Okay. Um, but she's she's a constant presence in in any of my podcasts. That's fine. Um, <laughs> anyways, to answer your question, um, I have had the good fortune to between Wizard and Marvel, I have met scores and scores of people celebrities and actors who are involved in either the MCU or, you know, played characters in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have never met anyone Uh who's played the flash, (laughs) not John Wesley ship, not Frank Gustin, not Ezra Miller. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it makes sense because I wasn't working at DC. So I don't know that I would have had like a connection with them, but I think out of, out of all those guys, Grant Gustin to me is amazing. Mm-hmm. He yes. totally embodies what I want that character to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so good at like, just like straddling the line between being a true hero and also like having fun and enjoying his powers. So I think he's the best. And I, I would love to meet him one day. Oh, hopefully, hopefully I want a, at a convention, hopefully one day. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, do you remember what was your first comic or comics that you read? Um, my very first comic that I remember, I mean, number one, the, the, the real answer to this is Archie. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely read my, my parents had me reading Archie when I was very, very young. And I used mm-hmm. to get those like big double digests and just disappear. Oh, nice. with them. Yeah. So I was definitely an Archie kid. As far as superhero comics, mm-hmm. uh, X-Men was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've, I've said, I've said this before is that the first comic I can remember owning and reading is the Chris Claremont, Mark Silvestri issue right after fall of the mutants mm-hmm. where they first show up in Australia, in yes. the outback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no clue what was going on mm-hmm. because this is like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's a million characters they're they've just come off this huge adventure that I haven't read yes. and they're dropping into this crazy new status quo where they live in the Australian outback. Uh-huh. So I was like, but to me, Jason, my strategy for reading comics has always been, and I know a lot of people have a different look. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say like, Oh, if something seems too intimidating or complicated, mm-hmm. then I'm going to avoid it. Yeah. I run towards that. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a lot to, I'll, I'll, if I pick up a comic like that comic with the X-Men in the outback, I'm like, yeah. There is so much more for me to discover here. And yeah. now I can go and like, even when I was a kid, you know, looking for back issues and yes. trying to find everything I could. Like I was very much a research kid when it came to comics. And that was why when I got back into DC a little bit, um, the first thing I read 
was Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. And that was just like a, mm-hmm. you know, kind of throw you in the deep end. Here's hundreds of characters, yes. all these worlds, all this stuff going on. But to me, I was like, this is great because I'm reading this book. I like a lot of these characters. I'm going to go read New Teen Titans. I'm going to mm-hmm. go read Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that's, that's, I went beyond the answer to your question, but um, essentially X-Men was the way in. Yes. Um, when I got full on into collecting comics later, it was partially death of Superman. Mm-hmm. So I bought a bunch of Superman comics, mm-hmm. but I was like immediately drawn to the X-Men again mm-hmm. and again. That was, that was always my bread and butter was mm-hmm. X-Men comics. I love, I love the X-Men. They're, they're my first, even though Nova and Flash are my favorite characters, yeah. the X-Men are like my, my first comic book love. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but Ben, like you mentioned that because, you know, um, back then, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people, a lot of kids just picked up whatever their first issue off the rack. Totally. And then back then, back in the nineties, it was, you know, um, dollar bins, you know, back bins that, that was all we had. And, but now it's like, if some 10 year old kid picks up an X-Men comic, yeah, reads it, you know, they don't have to go through back issue bins. They no. can go to like uh, Marvel Unlimited. Marvel Unlimited or yes. I mean, oh my God. It's a different world. And it's yeah. something I think about all the time because I, I, I'm fully digital now mm-hmm. um, in terms of my reading. Because basically when the pandemic hit, I stopped going to the comic store. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and even when things started opening back up, I had transitioned fully over to digital. And you got to understand, Jason, um, I can see all your long boxes in the background. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you can imagine like, you know, 10 years at Marvel, two years at Wizard before that, mm-hmm. getting pretty much every comic that came out for years and years. Mm-hmm. I have so many physical boxes of comics. So when the opportunity came along to, to go digital mm-hmm. and just, you know, have a digital collection, I kind of like, I got in, I got really into it, but that, that, uh, yeah, that sensation of, you know, I just read an issue of suicide squad. This seems really cool. I'm going to go track all yeah. of these through conventions and stores and whatnot. Like that's not really a thing anymore. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, people have crazy access to comics now, so they should be able to read anything, which is kind of cool. But yeah. us old school fans, there's definitely like something missing as far as like the, the decline of the back issue bin and stuff like that. Oh yeah, it is. It, yeah. But, um, okay. Sorry. I'm going to continue on. Okay. So, um, when you were young, you won a prize. Yes. From wizard mag, a wizard magazine contest. What was the did. contest and what did the, you win? The contest was uh, create your own amalgam. Mm-hmm. This is when it was DC versus Marvel. And then afterwards they did the amalgam uh, universe where there was like combined versions of DC and Marvel characters. Yes. This was, you drew your own version of an amalgam. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the top prize was, I don't remember what the top prize was. And it was definitely featured in wizard. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, this sounds like a 1980s wrestling stable, but I did the Legion of Warriors which was Legion of Superheroes and New Warriors. Yes. And I did like a dozen characters and Mm -hmm. I just drew them up. I sent it in and I got a letter back from Wizard saying, hey, you didn't make it into the magazine, but we really like what you did. Mm -hmm. So we're giving you, and they gave me a a copy of JLX Mm -hmm. number one signed by Mark Wade. So that was pretty cool. Now I'm going to ask because 
you know, your work at Wizard, at Marvel. Have you ever asked, do you ever mention that to Mark Wade? So I have spoken to Mark Wade. He's one of my like mentors in the yeah. comic book industry. He's, he was one of my favorite writers from when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And the minute I had the opportunity to interact with him, um, I jumped at it. Like, so as a wizard staffer, I always wanted to interview him when I got to Marvel, whenever mm-hmm. he was doing something at Marvel, I was all over it. Yeah. Just one of the smartest and nicest, like kindest men mm-hmm. in comics or anywhere really. So I, and I actually recently for Newsarama, I did a, a look back at Mark's and Mike Waringo's fantastic four. Oh yeah. And, um, I got to talk to Mark for the first time in a number of years, definitely mm-hmm. the first time since I had left Marvel. Mm-hmm. And he was just so like, he was so kind just being like, Hey, where have you been? Like, how's yeah. the teaching thing going? And just like, he's like, you know, we're really proud of you and everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And just, just, just a sweet man. That being said, I would virtually guarantee that at some point over the near 15 years that I've, you know, known Mark as a person, yeah. I have to have, at some point brought up to the, him the fact that I want an autographed copy of his work um, when I was, <laughs> when I was a kid, <laughs> yeah. but I, but I could not like, I can't remember it actually happening, but I, I feel like it has to, yeah. it has to have come up at some point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm going off the cuff when you were working at Marvel. Yeah. Um, there, um, there are Legion of Warriors. Yes. You're in a meeting someone's going, Hey, we need some new story ideas. Did you ever pitch that? <laughs> Legion of Warriors? Yes. No, because <laughs> DC owned half the characters. No, I, so, I, so no, I did not pitch that. No, I, I mean, there were, I pitched stuff once in a while. I, I got the, I, I got the opportunity to work on some cool stuff while I was there, but uh, no Legion of Warriors was not one of them. You didn't want to do that. Hey, um, I know Busick and Perez, they wrapped up the, the intercompany crossover sure. JLA Avengers. Let's hey, do another one. Yeah, let's me. restart it. Yeah. Yeah, let's do one written by me, your web guy. Yeah, I think that would have gone over very well. And we'll have Mark Bagley do the Marvel. Barry oh. Kitson to do DC. Yeah, that would have been, been absolutely amazing. <laughs> okay, all right. So, um, no, like, so how 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 did your journey begin to? get into the um, comic book industry. I know you said um, you started in your, uh, did you major in journalism? Yeah. Um, I major, I, my major is in English okay. technically from Connecticut college. That's right. <clears throat> I always focused on there. There was no journalism degree at my school. Okay. So I was kind of like, I was majoring in English with the idea that I wanted to go into journalism. And mm-hmm. that was primarily accomplished through the fact that I, worked at the school newspaper. Uh, I was eventually editor in chief mm-hmm. and like I, my plan was always to go and work for a newspaper. Mm-hmm. And then in between my junior and senior years, I interned at my local newspaper and I did not enjoy it. So I was kind of like going into senior year, like trying to adjust what I could do that would. Yes still utilize the skills I had gained as an English major. Mm-hmm. Um, but where could, where could I do something I actually like? Cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to go work at a newspaper and hate it. Yeah. So I remember very vividly, I was out to lunch with my dad mm-hmm. um, and we were talking about my future. And at this point I had about 
probably a year, year and a half under my belt of running. I ran my own comic books, web, comic book website, um, oh, okay. which was actually part of a larger website called 411 Mania, which okay. still exists. Oh, okay. Um, but I ran the comic section. Yeah. I, had, I had pitched to these guys, started out as a wrestling website, and then they expanded. They had like TV, movies, sports. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, let me do a comic section. Yeah. And um, I'd been doing that for a little bit. And my dad kind of said, he's like, is there any way to do that? But professionally. Nice. So my dad actually encouraged me. He's like, you should look into seeing if you can do something in comics. Yes. So as fate would have it, uh, one of the things I did on my website was I wrote like a really, I wrote reviews and I wrote a particularly positive review of Jeff Johns's flash run, which yes. is amazing. One of the best of all time. And I don't know how it happened. The internet was a much smaller place in, mm-hmm. you know, 2003, 2004, God, yeah. but Jeff found my review mm-hmm. and my email was in the review. So he sent me an email basically saying, Hey, Thanks. I appreciate this. By the way, if you're ever interested in doing this professionally, like reach out to me. And I ended up after the conversation with my dad, I reached out to Jeff Johns. Yes. And emailed him. I said, Hey, I'm very much interested in trying to make a career of this. Is there any like guidance you could offer? And he basically said, um, this was towards the end of my, my senior year. Mm-hmm. So the summer was coming up. And he said, if you can get out to San Diego for Comic-Con, then let's meet, let's talk, let's, let's see what we can do. I can introduce you to people. So I went out to San Diego for Comic-Con with my buddy, Tim Stevens, uh, who long time wrote, wrote for me at Marvel, wrote for me at Wizard, wrote for me everywhere I went, um, but was also like one of my mentors because uh, he was a couple years older than me and uh, he was the editor-in-chief of the newspaper before me. So me and Tim go out to San Diego. We stay in a motel like, half hour away from the convention center because everything's booked. Yeah. Um, and we meet, we, we bring business cards and I just meet as many people as I can, but primarily met Jeff. Yes. And what Jeff did was he introduced me to the guys at wizard and said, this is Ben, you know, he writes on a website right now, but I think he could be a really good addition to wizard. Um, so long story short, uh, a couple weeks later, Joe Yannarella at Wizard calls me up and says, hey, do you want to come to New York and interview for a research assistant position? And I said, absolutely. I drove out to New York. Um, and this was like not New York City. This is like, um, like, like uh, you're like White Plains and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little further outside the city. That's where Wizard was headquartered. Mm-hmm. I went, I interviewed. I loved it. They fortunately took a liking to me. I got hired as a research assistant, but I was also writing articles and contributing, uh, as a, as a writer. Mm -hmm. And then after a year as a research assistant, they made me a staff writer. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how all that happened. It really goes back to, um, my dad saying, why don't you try to do something in comics? Me reaching out to Jeff saying, can you help me? And him saying, and him giving me a, giving me a hand, getting that first job. Holy cow. That's amazing. (laughs) It's a pretty, like, Everyone who works in comics yeah. has a, has a unique story yes. um, and they're all pretty incredible because in order to get there, you need to have a combination of luck, skill and knowing people. Yeah. So it's always an interest. Like they used to do these, um, I'm sure they still do. Uh, they used to do panels at conventions called always like the breaking into comics panels. Yes. And it's always one of my favorite panels to go to because actually Mark Wade, who we were talking about earlier said that, 
um, breaking into comics is like breaking out of prison. And what that <laughs> means is once someone has done it one way, you mm-hmm. can't do it that way anymore. <laughs> so you got to find a new way to do it. And yeah. I always, I always, yeah. I always like that quote a lot. No, but, but I'm going to say, because it, it's so cool that your dad was, you know, very supportive, especially back Huge. in the early 2000s, because, you know, for younger listeners, I mean, I, I'm just trying to remember back in the early 2000s, I mean, the only way to literally work in comics was you had to live in New York kind of Right. Thing. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that I was going to be either in New York or in LA. Yeah. Um, and I ended up when I was a wizard, I worked in that, that White Plains area for mm-hmm. a couple of years, lived in, you know, I lived in Highland Falls, which was this tiny little town. I had a tiny apartment, mm-hmm. um, eventually moved to New Jersey and kept commuting. And then when I got the Marvel job, um, I was in New York City, but I never lived in New York City. I always lived in New Jersey the entire time I was at Marvel. And then also, too, for our listeners, I mean, even back then, getting into the comic, some footing in the comic book industry seemed probably a lot slimmer back then, too. As yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. So. so, yeah, it was it was a lot of luck, but it was also, I'll say this, if I can impart a lesson to people who are yes. looking to get into comics, yeah. it's that be nice to everybody yeah. <laughs> because, because you don't know um, who can help you later. And I'm not saying that's the reason you should be a decent person, but it also doesn't hurt that, you know, I was, I was just like gracious and patient and like I, everyone I met, you know, I, I treated them as well as I would want to be treated. And yes. that it's, in turn helped me out a lot. Yes. And, and I'm sorry, I'm going to kind of inject a little bit on this Ben is because we, we, you know, when we first kind of knew, started kind of know about each other was when I sent emails to This Week in Marvel. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, and, and it was just, uh, you know, it, it's just the, just, you know, um, you know, just being a nice guy, just saying, hey, you know, how you guys doing, blah, blah, blah. And you reaching out, you know, following me on Twitter. It's a back and forth thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know. Okay, so I'm sorry. So let me continue on. Okay, oh, before I continue on, so just for our new listeners, the Wizard Magazine, basically, yeah. if I remember correctly, it focused, it, it was an actual magazine. It's not. Yeah, like, it was a physical magazine. Yeah. This was pre, I mean, yeah. they were around when the internet came out, but it predated a lot of the internet stuff. Yeah, and it, it focused on comics, cosplay, and I want to point out, I think Yaya Han, um, um, became a well-known cosplayer through that because I think you know, it's funny because I met Yaya when I was at Marvel uh-huh. and I didn't, I wasn't aware of that, but I don't doubt it. Yeah. Because I think um like there are Halloween issues. They always have the oh, you yeah. know, cosplay. And I remember, I think two years in a row, it was always an, um, an Asian woman that won. And one year it was um, the Scarlet Witch. And then the second year, I forgot what she was dressed as, but I think I'm pretty much sure it was Yaya Han. Huh? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I descri- when I was working at Wizard, I described it to people as basically it's Entertainment Weekly, but focused entirely on comics and geek culture. Yes, that's it. That's kind of the best way to describe it. It's very much like, you know, just editorial and features and everything about all things comics. And um, it was when I was a kid, I bought Wizard. Mm-hmm. So working there was a big. The ultimate goal for me was always to work at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wizard was a pretty cool, like, stop along the way yeah. because it had been something that I'd been into since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty fun. And I 
some of the most lasting friendships of my life are from people I worked with at Wizard. Because I mean, I was 22. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was literally, I was 22. My, my girlfriend was going to college two states away. So mm-hmm. I was only seeing her on weekends. So like these, these guys and girls who I worked at with Wizard, like they were, they were my family. Like we came from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will, you know, I'll do a quick plug, yeah. Jason, for, um, there's a podcast called Wizards, the podcast guide to comics. Okay. And it's these two or three guys who basically loved wizard magazine and have um they're they're going chronologically like looking at each issue but then at one point i reached out to them on twitter and i was like hey do you guys want to talk to actual people who are there yeah and since then starting with me they've branched off and done this thing called the wizard files where they interview all these people who worked at wizard like everywhere from the 90s to the 2000s and it's it's if you're if you're if you loved Wizard when it was out, you will love this podcast. If you never heard of Wizard, it'll give you a better idea of kind of what it is. And it's also kind of sort of like a time capsule. It very much is. Oh, I got to check out that. Oh, it's man, fun. It's you. really fun. It's a really fun show. Okay. All right. Now, how cool was it to see your name on the first article in Wizard? Immensely cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I There's no feeling like it. Seeing my name in print... Um, you know, just like talking about the stuff that I had, I had read about when I was a kid was mm-hmm. incredibly cool. And it never stopped being cool. Mm-hmm. Like I was there for a little over two years and every time I had a byline, I was like, this is amazing. And flash forward to like today, yes. uh, the most recent thing I would have a byline on. I mean, it's, it's kind of different when you have like a byline on the web because mm-hmm. that's, but when you have it on something like physical that you can hold and show people. Yeah. So like when I was doing the DC stuff a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and I got my violin there, I was like, I mean, at that point I was like 37, 38, but it mm-hmm. still felt like I was 22 mm-hmm. getting my, my first byline. So that never stops being cool. That is nice. Okay. We're going to jump over to Marvel comics. Now, yeah, you correct me if I'm wrong. You were at Marvel from like about what? 2007 to 2017. Yeah, you got it, man. That was exactly okay. exactly my period at uh, Marvel. Okay. Now I now I know briefly you talked about how you got your job at Marvel. Now mm-hmm. you got the title of editorial director of digital media. What was your role? So I had a lot of different titles over the 10 years at Marvel. Uh, editorial director of digital media was the one I left with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was... I, I came in as an assistant editor on marvel.com on the mm-hmm. website. I was an associate editor on marvel.com. I was an editor on marvel.com and then eventually editorial director of digital media. And the difference was when I was just doing the editor stuff, I was just basically responsible for putting content up on marvel.com, mm-hmm. just like articles and stuff like that. Um, it was like running my own magazine mm-hmm. combined with a marketing firm because obviously, you know, we're not, we're not a third party magazine doing articles. We're promoting stuff for Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, the editorial director of digital media thing came around when basically there was so much other stuff they had added to my job mm-hmm. over the course of the years that it made sense to have a different title. And what I mean by that was when, as I described, when, you know, YouTube became a thing and we started doing the weekly watcher, which became just the watcher. Mm-hmm. Um, I was heavily involved in that. We had other shows on YouTube. Like I was an executive producer or a producer on Marvel superheroes. What the, 
which was our stop motion animation show. Right. Yes. And I would, and I would kind of like take the reins of that. So I started doing YouTube stuff. And then when podcasting was getting big, we started doing that. So mm-hmm. obviously I was hosting this week in Marvel, yes. but I was also overseeing some of the other podcasts and helping those to get published. And then finally social media uh, became a really big thing for us. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, engagement on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. wherever. Mm-hmm. So whereas I had been hired to basically just put articles on the website, yes. my role had expanded to the point where anything that's digital mm-hmm. that's being touched, whether it's video, audio, mm-hmm. uh, social media, mm-hmm. written articles still, like I, I had a piece of all of it. Mm-hmm. So that was where the new title came from. And I think I had that for like the last four or so years that I was, that I was there. And then, you know, like, um, I'm just going to put a short plug in for, um, you know, this week in Marvel, the podcast so, yeah. is still going on. Yeah. It's um, on Sirius XM now. It's like, it's, it's exceeded all expectations I had for it when we, we started it in 2011 and uh, it's just like, it's really become something cool. And the thing is, I mean, for, um, for new listeners, when I start to listen to the show with you and, um, um, Ryan, it was, I, I remember it was like two, three hours long. Yeah. But majority of it was you guys included, this is what's coming out this week. And Ben, I want to thank you personally for recommending. This was during uh, Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars. You okay. recommended Hank Johnson, Agent of Hydra, written uh, by yeah. David Mendel. Yeah. That was the most funniest comic book I've ever. <laughs> it was great, and I want to. Yeah, thank I remember you. that one. It was a good one. It, it was, was a good fun. one. It was. Okay, so I'm going to continue on. There was one episode. There was one episode that you and correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was Blake Garris. Yeah, that that would make sense. Blake was yeah. Blake was on a lot of stuff with me. Okay, so you interviewed Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan, Stan right. when they're promoting The Winter Soldier. Now, this is what I loved about this. And I got to ask you the question. How cool was it? Because I think you said you were from Boston. Yeah. And then how cool was it when Chris asked you, what part of Boston were you from? How cool was that? It was incredibly cool. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying about the whole, if you're actually from Boston, you ask where someone's from because no one's really from Boston. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chris is about the same age as me. Uh, He went to high school, like three towns over from me. Mm -hmm. Um, We were both into sports. So like I knew I, I, as he was coming up, I was kind of like, Oh cool. This is, this is, not my contemporary, but definitely like he's from the same area and that's cool. Yeah. And I remember the cool thing was when I told him that I was primarily from Newton, he was like, Oh, that's where my dad worked. So we had that connection mm-hmm. and Chris was a good, Chris is, I mean, everyone, I, Chris Evans doesn't need me to promote him, but obviously anyone who, you know, knows of his kind of reputation is just a very, just like legitimately good dude. Like he mm-hmm. really is the embodiment of Captain America. But mm-hmm. kind of the cool thing with him was I, I met him three or four times. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I met him, dude was so shy mm-hmm. and just like kind of kept to himself, uh-huh. very polite. Uh-huh. Um, and then every time we got to speak to him afterwards, he would open up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And by the time we got to that last interview, I was like, all right, I feel like we have a good rapport with this yeah. guy, but just such a, such a nice kind person. That's pretty awesome. Okay. Um, we talked about, I know you pitched some story ideas at Marvel. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You 
did you just write a story for a Marvel comic or were, did you write a couple of stories? I wrote one story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is framed on my wall of my house. It is a one page. It was originally a one page digital sh- story that eventually was printed in a holiday special. So okay. it was in a physical holiday special. Mm-hmm. It was, um, it's called Werewolf by Eve. It's a Christmas mm-hmm. story with Werewolf by Night. Mm-hmm. And it's literally, there's no dialogue. It's four panels. Yeah. And it is um, Jack Russell at mm-hmm. home with his family celebrating Christmas. Then flip to middle of the night, the werewolf destroying everything. Mm-hmm. And then flip to the next morning, uh, Jack Russell apologizing to his family because he just ruined Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, it was drawn by Stephanie Busema who is the granddaughter of John Buscema, which was incredible for me because I was such a huge fan of her granddad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing I've written. I did edit a couple um, comics, mm-hmm. uh, specifically War of Kings Warriors, yes. which was a spinoff of the uh, War of Kings series. Yes. Um, and I got to work with Christos Gage and Jay Fairber and a bunch of really good artists. I remember Mahmoud Asrar was one of the artists on that. And Carlo Magno was one of the artists on that. We got to do some really cool stuff. Uh, That was the only time they let me edit anything, but I definitely took like full advantage of it and had a lot of fun with it. And I worked with uh, Bill Roseman was like my, my, my boss on those. That is nice. Okay. Um, Before I start wrapping up your, the section on when you were working at Marvel comics, do you remember any, and I'm not looking for dirt or any, sure. I'm just trying to look for something fun. You know, were there any fun moments um, meeting a creator at Marvel unexpectedly, you know, like you bumped into someone in the hallway and you're like, oh my God, you're Alan Moore or something like that. <laughs> I mean, there are constantly moments like that. Um, for me, I always tell people like meeting, um, I met a lot of celebrities Yes, and I was usually fine yeah. But if you introduce me to someone who wrote X-Men when I was 12, I like lost it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, like, I was like, you know, Chris Evans, no big deal. Yeah. Maybe Nicieza, holy crap. Like um, <laughs> that was just kind of, I wasn't, I, I was that way with Fabian was my favorite writer when I was a kid. And I actually like formed kind of a friendship with him, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirk Busick's one of my favorites. I got to interview him and kind of just like gush over how much I loved Marvels and Avengers and then um, maybe the most intimidating person I met was Jim Starlin, just because mm-hmm. it was, you know, like, I, I love Cosmic Marvel, and he basically, that's all him. And he's just such an interesting guy, but very nice. Um, honestly, the coolest moment, though, is this is not going to be surprising to anyone. Um, and it's coming up on the, the well, I think we just passed the three-year anniversary of his, of his, his passing. Mm-hmm. But anytime I got to meet Stan Lee, yeah. um, which... Fortunately, I got to meet him a handful of times Mm -hmm. and always amazing to me. Uh, Always just like on and like everyone loved them. Mm -hmm. Um, Stan was great. And you know who else was great was, uh, was Flo, who uh, was, was his, uh, his secretary Mm -hmm. who was still working at Marvel uh, Mm -hmm. when I was there as a proofreader. She was amazing. So those people who had like the connections to the, whether it was to my childhood or to the early days of the Marvel universe, that was the coolest. Those were the coolest, uh, meetings I had even even getting to hang out with Tom Brevoort who's just mm-hmm. such a fount of knowledge of all this stuff mm-hmm. um that was very cool oh, that's pretty cool okay I'm going to continue on because I'm slowly wrapping this up um 
We're going to talk about um, UNLV. So how yeah. did you become a guest lecturer at UNLV and what classes do you teach? In? <laughs> it was an interesting transition. Um, basically, in 2017, my daughter was born. Mm-hmm. And I, we, we felt very strongly, my wife and I, that we wanted to raise her close to family. Yes. So that meant either Boston, where my family was, or Las Vegas, where my wife's mm-hmm. family was. And I had kind of, I, I had been at Marvel for 10 years at that point. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't like, oh my God, I hate Marvel now. I need to leave. It was more like, I was like, you know, I've done this for 10 years. I think I'm ready to try something else, yes. which, which I think is a very natural way to feel. Even, even if you get your dream job, you don't necessarily want to do your dream job for the rest of your life. You want to mm-hmm. do different stuff. So made the decision that we were going to come to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what I was going to do for a living because mm-hmm. after Marvel, there's not really a logical next step. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do you keep working in comics? Do you work in digital marketing? What do you do? And my brother-in-law who worked out here at uh, MGM introduced me to a gentleman named Clark Dumont, mm-hmm. uh, who just kind of connected all over town. Mm-hmm. And he said, I think have a conversation with Clark, tell him what you're good at. And he might be able to like think of something. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who instantly said, Oh, he's like, I know people over at UNLV specifically in the journalism school. I think you would be a great teacher yeah. because a lot of the stuff that you've been doing for the past 13 years is stuff that you could teach to kids. Yes. And I was like, wow, that sounds like an awesome idea. So I ended up meeting the Dean and the director of the school and they kind of had the idea. They were like, you know, we have a lot of really great kind of more academic professors mm-hmm. who, um, you know, teach mostly out of a textbook. Mm-hmm. We would love, there was, there was another guy who came about a year or two years before me mm-hmm. who wrote for men's health uh-huh. and they had him teaching classes and his whole strategy was basically, um, you know, I'm going to teach you from experience, not from yeah. a book. Yes. And they saw me as being similar. Mm-hmm. So I came in, um, that first semester I taught social media strategies, uh, introduction to public relations and introduction to integrated marketing communication, which was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> that was so freaking hard. Okay. Um, then gradually they got me set up with the, with rebel media group and that okay. became a big part of what I was doing. They moved me to teach podcasting, mm-hmm. which was a new class, which yes. made sense for me. Cause I had, you know, I've been doing podcasts for over a decade. Yeah. And then finally, um, the last kind of piece of the puzzle was during the pandemic, they switched me over from social media strategies, which was an upper level social media course oh. to the lower level introduction to social media. Mm-hmm. So I get to literally get kids when they're like freshmen or sophomore yes. and kind of expose them to the world of digital media. Yeah. And it's supposed to kind of, it's supposed to be like kind of a feeder class mm-hmm. to the, the upper level classes. So I've, I've been doing it for coming up on four years now. Mm-hmm. I feel very comfortable where I'm at. I love the classes I'm teaching. I love teaching in general. It's been a great kind of second act for mm-hmm. me yeah. because I got to do everything I wanted to do in, in comics. I yes. will never be bitter over not having gotten to do something. I got to do everything I wanted to. And now you know, as I head into my forties, I'm doing something new yeah. that I really love and that I really have a passion for. So it's been, it's been a pretty good few years. It's been a pretty good lot of years, honestly. Yeah. And I think also what's kind of, what's kind of nice too, Ben, is that you still have your foot. Um, you have the best of both worlds. You're exactly, you know, you're, you're, you know, 
career-wise, you're evolving, you're teaching, and also too, you know, um, you're helping um, the next generation um, um, about social media stuff, but also too, you're still also in like, I guess, like I always keep saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, like the comic industry. Yeah, no, I'm definitely still a part of the comics industry. Like, I don't feel like I'm I'm not connecting. It's great. the The thing I love the most, though, and this this is like just a nice little thing for me, is like I'll reach out to writers and artists to do interviews for my freelance. Yeah, and the first thing they'll say is, "Oh, are you coming back?" Like they're really excited. So I appreciate that. Like I appreciate having a good reputation in the comics industry. I like that I can reach out to anybody and get an interview. So it's it's all good, man. That's really nice. Um, I'm, um, um, where do you see so? Where do you think social media will go next, or how do you think it'll evolve next? Because we already have YouTube, we have podcasts, we have TikTok. I have no idea mm-hmm. where it's going. Well, next. yeah. And if I tried to predict it, I think I would be just making something up. Because as someone who is now taught social media for a few years now the one thing i observed is it's constantly changing Mm -hmm. and we're not able to predict what comes next and to be good at social media probably the most important attribute you can have is flexibility Mm -hmm. and adaptability because i'll i'll give you the example of the first semester i was teaching the intro class um was the semester that the u.s government was trying to get tiktok Band. Oh, so yeah, all right. we talked about every day was, oh, is TikTok still going to be around? Mm-hmm. Is TikTok going to go away? Yeah. And then by the next semester, it was like, TikTok's here and it's huge and we need to figure out how to use it. Yeah. So as a teacher, I go from, you know, this is like part of my news discussion to, no, this is a pretty core thing that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's happening all the time. So it's tough to break the future. You more just have to be ready to, you know, kind of roll with whatever changes head your way okay. um i'm going to jump into one of your your favorite hobbies wrestling <laughs> yeah when do you remember becoming a wrestling fan uh i distinctly remember that i was i definitely seen wrestling when i was younger but <laughs> eight years old 1990 survivor series my dad bought the pay-per-view on thanksgiving um And that was my first exposure and it was love at first sight. I have loved wrestling ever since. I don't think it's any surprise. It's no surprise to me that anyone who works in comics is predisposed to like wrestling. And on the flip side, I've met so many wrestlers who love comics because it's the same thing Mm -hmm. at the heart. It's colorful, Mm -hmm. larger than life characters who embody good and evil kind of having this incredible struggle. So Mm -hmm. I was already into comics. Wrestling was a natural thing. I've loved both ever since. And some of the best experiences I had well at Marvel was getting to meet uh, so many of the guys and girls who, you know, bring wrestling to life, who, who were fans of what we did and we were fans of what they did. And it was a nice kind of exchange back and forth. They would come tour the offices. And then when they were, you know, at a show nearby, they would get us tickets. Oh, and it was a really, I formed a lot of really nice friendships that yeah. way as well. Um, off the cuff. Um, is your dad a wrestling fan? He, my dad was like a casual wrestling fan mm-hmm. who I greatly exceeded. No, <laughs> so like yeah. I, beca- I became a much bigger fan than he ever was, but he mm-hmm. was the one who introduced me to it. Whether I don't know if he regrets that or not. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, okay. Now if you were a wrestler, mm. what would your name be? 
what would be your catchphrase and what would be your power move? So I would probably use the same nickname I used on other identity, mm-hmm. which is uh, Professor Awesome. I think that's a good place to start. Um, catchphrase would be something corny like school's in session. No, that's um, fine. <laughs> really easy. And then the thing about like finishing moves is I'm a little guy. Mm-hmm. So I'd want to make sure it's something I could do on anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to do anything where it involves me like picking anyone up. Mm-hmm. So it'd probably be, it'd be something off the top rope. Okay. Uh, I'm not, not sure what, but it would some sort of high flying thing that I could pull off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, like I said, I'm slowly wrapping this up. Um, I forgot to put this in um, the interview questions, but I want to ask you on your Twitter feed, mm. I, I'm almost either every day or every other day. You always have your, at the end of the day, let's thank tweets. Every day. I do it every day. Okay. Every day. How, how did that come about? Um, okay. So I start every day on social media mm-hmm. with looking at the drawing well black uh, hashtag. Okay. putting up something from someone who's featured there. And that started just basically me being, you know, wanting to contribute something to the black lives matter movement. And I mm-hmm. thought my best platform is that I know a lot of, you know, a lot of people are following me on, on social media mm-hmm. and like comics. So I'll, I'll go into the art world, but the artist appreciation that I do at the end of every day, yes. which is at the end of every day, I said, let's end the day by honoring a great comic book artist specifically came about when um, John Paul Leon, passed away. And I said to myself, you know what, there's, I, I saw the outpouring of love mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. And I didn't know him personally. I'd never met him, loved his work. Yes. Um, but I was just like, it's so nice that when a creator passes away, we all kind of like pay tribute to them. Yes. But it got me thinking, I was like, we should really be doing it while they can still appreciate it. Yes. So I, so I kind of committed myself to at the end of every day, I'm going to find an artist, either one that I love or one that I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to post a few pieces of their work and I'm going to post a link back to them. And mm-hmm. if they have a website, I'll link to the website and basically just a way to appreciate, appreciate uh, comic book artists while they're still here yes. and while they can know that we appreciate them. So that's, that's my goal with that. That's really nice. It, and listeners, if you fin- follow Ben on Twitter, he does that. And it's really nice. It is. It, it's really awesome. Okay. So Ben, I'm going to slowly start wrapping things up. I know in past interviews on comic book podcasts, talk about working at Marvel, Wizard. But he, I want to ask, how big is your physical comic book collection? I know you're doing digital, but. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll give you the <laughs> best description I can give you is where I keep my physical comics. Yeah. So I have um, my childhood home in Newton. My sister, my little sister recently mm-hmm. moved. She bought the house from my parents mm-hmm. and moved in there. Mm-hmm. And I've got a, um, a young nephew mm-hmm. who inherited my bedroom mm-hmm. and off to the side of my bedroom, there's a walk-in closet. Mm-hmm. And that walk-in closet is literally filled with long boxes of comics uh, from my childhood and from my early days at Wizard and Marvel. And I have told him that those are all his. Uh, he can oh. do whatever he can do whatever he wants with those when he's nice. when he's kind of old enough to figure it out. Then here in Vegas, uh-huh. in the back of our storage unit with uh-huh. all our stuff that we brought cross country, uh-huh. there's probably about. 10 to 12 more long boxes. Mm-hmm. So 
I've gotten rid of a lot over the years, but I've kept a lot too. So I have a lot, I have a freaking lot of comics. And again, digital has been a godsend for me as far as like storage space and stuff. No, Ben, it's a godsend for most of us longtime um, readers and comic book collectors, not hoarders. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's your most prized possession comic? Um, I don't have anything that jumps out right away. Um, I, more than anything, I love that when you go into my office at UNLV, mm-hmm. um, my shelves are completely stocked with trades. So mm-hmm. I don't have like a lot of normal books. It's all just yeah. like comics and yeah. students freaking love that mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll borrow stuff and sometimes <laughs> they'll bring it back. So <laughs> fun. All right. Um, Okay, now I'm going to start wrapping things up. Fun questions. What was your favorite convention moment, either as a fan or whether you're working at Wizard or Marvel? Mm-hmm. Definitely that first San Diego was, there's never been anything like it. Mm-hmm. Just like I had never gone, the only conventions I'd gone to prior to that were, you know, like hotel conventions, like little yes. little things. So going to that first San Diego and just being overwhelmed by mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. was amazing. Um, I remember when I was at wizard, I got to one or two years with Ricky Purden, who's still at Marvel, who uh, was at wizard with me. We got to host the wizard fan awards, which was just a trip because we had so much fun with it. Um, that was a great memory, but you know, mostly just, I remember that first San Diego. I also fondly remember wizard world Philadelphia because it was close enough that, um, my like all our, our girlfriends and boyfriends could like drive down we'd all just we'd all just hang out it was just like a fun conventions were a fun place to hang out with your like new your second family yeah um so that was always a good time oh that's pretty cool okay have you and your family ever been to hawaii never okay <laughs> never it's always been a goal and uh we we've we've not made it happen to this point my wife has been um, when, when she was younger, mm-hmm. she loved it. Um, yeah. I have a lot of, the interesting thing about Vegas is, um, I don't know which they call it, but they, there are some places where they call it like the, they call it like an, uh, an unofficial Island of Hawaii. The, they call it the ninth Island. The ninth yes. Island. I was going to say the eighth and I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's right. Uh, yeah, they call it the ninth Island cause so many people from Hawaii end up here in yes. Vegas. So a lot of students, colleagues, et cetera, mm-hmm. I have met. So I will make it there someday. And when I do, I will let you know. Oh, um, yeah. but it's, it's in the future. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to say, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, and I'm going to say, if you want it, yeah, just let me know, you know, one day we can just go to grab lunch. We can, you know, yeah. I'd love that. Oh, I always, I always get jealous of your, uh, your meal postings on Twitter. It looks <laughs> so delicious every time. Makes me hungry. Any last words to our listeners? Um, you know, I just want to say that I've been thinking a lot about comics in the last couple of days, specifically because um, it's the anniversary of Stan's passing. And I'm just so grateful for the life that comics has given me um, professionally and personally. Um, I think it's the best thing in the world. Um, I will be forever grateful that I got to be a part of it, that I continue to get to be a part of it. And I appreciate people like you, Jason, who kind of allow me to keep uh, dipping my toe in the water and uh, keeping part of my world in comics. I appreciate that. So, you know, all right, Ben, I'm going to start wrapping this up. You know, Ben, thank you very much for your time. You know, 
I'm so glad we are able to finally meet and talk. You know, thank you very much. You know, thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you. You know, again, thank you very much, Ben. You know, um, it was my pleasure, man. Ah, thank you. And then, you know, and I want to thank you, the listener. Thank you for your time. You know, and thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha for me, too. I had a great time talking story with Ben about his love for comics, how he broke into the comic book industry and is still today contributing to this industry. If you guys get a chance, please follow him on Twitter and on Instagram. And please check out his articles on Marvel.com. You know, I want to give a big mahal to Ben. Ben, thank you very much for your time. And thank you very much for being my fifth anniversary guest. I also want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for letting me contribute to his podcast. And Drew, thank you very much for doing all the heavy lifting behind the scenes for putting this episode together. Now, if you are a new listener to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast, please check out their weekly episodes that comes out every Saturday. Drew and Kyle do spec picks of new releases that comes out every Tuesday and Wednesday. And finally... I want to thank you, the listener. Thank you very much for being on this journey with me. Thank you very much for listening to my interviews for the past five years. Thank you very much. I want to thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha.